everybody. You may be seated. I know that today you got here, you got here for a reason, and we're glad that you have joined us. Welcome to Saddleback Church. I love that song that we just sang, that all things are possible with God. And I just got to believe that there's somebody that's listening to my voice today, somebody that's in our service, that you need to be reminded of that truth, or some of you for the very first time need to hear that truth, that there's a God that loves you and there is nothing that is impossible with him. There are some of you that came here today and you are about to give up on your marriage. And God wants you to hear today, all things are possible with him. And he wants to move today in your heart. We come with expectation that he, no matter where you are in your journey spiritually, that he is here and he is moving, he loves you, and he is going to change your life today. We believe that. Now, before I jump into my message, I want to make sure you know about one thing uh, that's coming up three weeks from today. We're going to have one massive party at all of our campuses, our first ever block party of a new era on a weekend during a service. We're going to have a short service, perhaps the shortest service we've ever had in the history of Saddleback. And then afterwards, we're going to have one massive party, giveaways, games, prizes, and it's a party with a purpose. So the reason that we're having a party, and this is true anytime you look at the Bible, anytime God throws a party, it's a party with a purpose. The purpose of the party is because there's somebody in your life currently that is disconnected from God or disconnected from church, and this is a fantastic opportunity to bring them back to church or bring them to church for the very first time. So we're telling you three weeks in advance so you can start praying about who's that person in your life that God wants to use you to impact them. Your personal invitation, your bringing somebody could change somebody's life for all eternity. And so we're going to be praying that God would move powerfully. I have a message that's all about beginning a relationship with God, and he's going to change some lives that weekend. Now, to sweeten the deal, if you like this shirt, you guys like this shirt I got on here today, brand new, first, first t-shirt of a new season, and uh, actually want to make sure you know this is a large so I shot a video this week in a medium, and Stacy said to me afterwards, when she saw it online, she said, babe, you need to give up the dream of medium. It's, it's time. It's time to move on. You're large. So I'm in a large. I listen to my wife most of the time. Um, but we have these t-shirts right here, one for you, for free, every child, every adult, Every student, we're going to give one of these to you at Block Party, but you have to be here physically to get the shirt. So we're offering this one weekend only, and if you're joining us online from Minnesota or Malaysia, there's an opportunity for you to get a shirt by being a part of one of our extensions. And so we have 18 extensions, but we're also starting new extensions. So this might be an opportunity for you to begin hosting an extension in your home or somewhere in your community. And we'll tell you more about that with our online team. But we want you to experience community together that weekend, uh, that block party, three weekends from today. Now today I want to begin the message with a story. And I want to take you on a little bit of a journey. And one of the things I love about my new role is that you don't know all my stories yet. So that's great. And you don't know all my jokes yet. So you still think my jokes are kind of funny. Uh, you, you might not six months from now. My kids don't think my jokes are funny. But this story happened between my sophomore and junior year of college. 
And that summer, I was on a summer mission trip, but there are a few things that predate that summer that you need to know about. So Stacy and I, we met our freshman year of college. Within a month, you know, we had fallen in love with each other. We're dating, and it was a great relationship for about three months. And then afterwards, we broke up, and let's just say it was mutual, and we went our separate ways. Yet at the same time, we kind of had one of those relationships that was on again, off again. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's like you're kind of dating, you're kind of friends, and going back and forth. And we did this for a year and a half. So we served in ministry together, we hung out, we had the same group of friends. And, you know, I was certain the whole time that I wanted to be with her, but she was blinded by Satan for a period of time. <laughs> and so she was just waiting to see the light. And so at the end of the year and a half... Uh, while we're traveling on this summer mission trip, we got rerouted. We're supposed to go across the, the middle of the United States, and we went to South Carolina in the southeastern part of the United States. And Stacy was in South Carolina at the time, and when we, when we went there, everybody on our team, they had friends and family members that they could hang out with this one afternoon, and I didn't have anybody. And one of the things that you're going to see is there's manipulation written all over this story. And it's good to know when you go to the chiropractor, they manipulate you, okay? So sometimes manipulation can be for good, especially if it's to get a wife out of it. So, um, so I said to her, you know, nobody, everybody else has somebody to meet with. I'm, I'm alone. Would you please come hang out with me? So she came up, and we had lunch together. And by that time, God had really begun to firm up in my heart the vision for ministry, to start a church, and the kind of church that I would be a part of. Actually, that summer, I had read Purpose Driven Church by Pastor Rick Warren, and I had a clearer vision. So when we got together and we had our meal, at the end of the meal, I started just describing this vision that God had placed inside of my heart. And then at the end of that, I looked at her, and I said, I think God wants you to be a part of this church. The only problem is you're going to have to, or I should say opportunity is, you're going to have to be my wife to be a part of the church. And you've been on and off for about two, almost a year and a half, and we need to make a decision. So I'm going to give you two weeks. So I gave her a two-week notice. And I said, hey, take two weeks and come back and let me know what you should do or what you want to do. And so she went back. And she was in turmoil for a little bit. But then at one point, it became very clear to her what path God was leading her on. And she got out a computer. She wrote up an email, sent it over to me. And I opened up my inbox. And I read the email from Stacy. And the last line of the email was, I choose us. And I'm so glad she did. Now... Why do I tell you that story? Well, I tell you that story for a reason, because there was a moment in the conversation that required 20 seconds of courage, just one moment to step up and to say the thing that needed to be said. And there's power in 20 seconds of courage. So today I want to talk to you about the power of just one brief moment of insane courage and how that can change your life. There's a movie a few years ago that came out, it's called We Bought a Zoo, and in the movie, the dad is sitting with his son, and he's talking to him about stepping forward with courage. And he says, there is power in 20 seconds of insane amounts of courage. Now, I know some of you are thinking there's also power in 20, minutes of, 20 seconds of insane amounts of stupidity as well. And that will be another message we'll do at another point. But today, what I want to focus in on is the power 
of moving with 20 seconds of courage for an area of your life that when God prompts you to step forward, you step forward. You say the thing that needs to be said. You make the decision that needs to be made. You repair the relationship that needs to be repaired. That in one moment, you can move forward and make a decision that entirely shifts the trajectory of your life. And so today's message is titled, The Courage to Get Moving. The Courage to Start Moving. And we're gonna journey together through Joshua. We've actually been for two weeks already in the book of Joshua, and we will continue, this whole series will be based on this book of the Bible. Now Joshua, when we come to the story, Joshua is the newly appointed leader for the nation of Israel, and he's following this heroic leader by the name of Moses. Now Moses was the leader that God had used to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, where they had been for 400 years in slavery. And now at this point, when they're coming out, God uses Moses with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, the scripture says. So God performs miracle after miracle to get the Israelites out of Egypt, and then they come into a desert where they were supposed to just travel through. It wasn't supposed to be this 40-year journey. It was just supposed to be a quick trip to the promised land. But because of a lack of courage, the Israelites stayed in the desert for 40 years, wandering around under the leadership of Moses. This is where the Ten Commandments came in. This is where the first five books of the Bible were written. And at the end of it, Moses, the biggest, most famous leader that the nation of Israel has ever had, passes the baton to Joshua. And Joshua's assignment that is given to him by God is to take two million people from the desert into the promised land, which seems like a great opportunity because this is a moment that they have been waiting for for 500 years. In fact, if you go back before Moses, there was a guy named Abraham that God had given a vision to, and the vision to Abraham was, I will make you the father of many nations, and I will bless you, and I will give you a land. You will move into that land. So this promise that God has given to the Israelites, they have carried for hundreds of years, and the story today is that moment when they're gonna step into the fullness of the promise that God has given to them. From Joshua chapter three, we pick up the story. It says, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Now, it's good for us to know that the Jordan River, when they arrive at the Jordan River, it's not like a Southern California creek that is dried up. This is a massive river at flood stage. I mean, this is harvest season, tons of water. Imagine the Mississippi River on steroids. I mean, it is, it is a huge river, and there are no bridges across. There are no boats. There's, there's no way to get across. So God is bringing his people, and between his people and the promise, there's a huge barrier. There's a massive obstacle that stands between them and where God wants them to go. And so often in our lives this is true, that when God will call you forward into a new version of yourself, or God will call you forward into a better marriage, or God will call you forward into greater levels of peace, that there are obstacles that stand between where you are and where God wants you to take, to take you. And the obstacle for the Israelites is the Jordan River. So here they are at the Jordan River, and it says, three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. Now the leaders are gonna step out first. And this is, 
how God works. Often he will call leaders to step out and then people follow leaders after they step out. It says, once the leaders step out, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. He gave them these instructions. I want to read it one more time. When you see the Levitical priest carry the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark of the Covenant is important. This is, this is the presence of God. And this represents the reality that God wanted to do life with his people. So God is a with us God. He wants to be in our midst. And in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle with the Ark of the Covenant where the physical manifestation of God's presence dwelt. Now God is omnipresent, but there was this place that God's presence, they believed that there was this physical manifestation and they would worship God near the tabernacle and eventually the ark would be placed into a temple. But in the New Testament, there's no more temple, there's no more tabernacle. In fact, the Bible says that if we're followers of Jesus, the presence of God dwells within us and we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we don't have one location that we go to. We're, we're a multi-site church. The church that Jesus started is a multi-site movement because the Spirit of God dwells inside of his people and wherever you go, God is there with you. So he's in you and he's with you and he's around you. The with us God was with his people and he's gonna lead them into a promised land but it's a greater promise that he's wanting to give them that's not just about a physical place that they would worship. It's about a people that he would establish that he would say is the light to the whole world. So when we say we're an all-nation congregation, we're, we're not just like making an organizational value. We are joining with God's mission for the entire world that he would choose a nation to bless, but then that nation would miss their opportunity, so he would make another way called the church that he would bless so that the whole world could know the goodness and the greatness of God. So all of this is connected to that big plan of God to get every nation, tribe, and tongue with him. So the Ark of the Covenant is there. The presence of God is there. And now they're gonna take the presence of God with them as they move into this new land. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, move out from your positions and follow. I love the ESV version, look at this. It says, at the end of the three days, officers went through the camp and commanded the people. Now in your notes, you're gonna see this phrase and I want you to underline or circle it. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. I want you to notice that there was a moment where the leaders would step forward with the Ark on their backs, and the instruction that God gave to Joshua to give to the Israelites was, as soon as you see it, you move. So no delay, don't look at the ark, don't look at the Jordan River, think twice, as soon as you see it. And the first thing I wanna focus in on is this, that when it comes to courage, your courage is either increasing or decreasing based upon what you are thinking about. I said this last week, improved thinking leads to increased courage. So the, the mindset that increases your courage from this passage, the first one, is to focus on obedience over the obstacle. So God is saying, when you see it, when you get the instruction, when you get the commandment, don't wait around. 
Don't think about it for three weeks. Don't pray about it. I already told you what to do. You just, when you see it, you move. And so many times, I don't know if you've ever had this conversation or you've done this yourself where you think, well, I'm just, I'm just praying about that decision. I'm just thinking about that decision. I'm just processing that decision. But what I would say to you is that God gave us this book called the Bible, and it's full of instructions. And all of the instructions that God gives here are an invitation into the kind of life that he's created you to live. So when God says to you, love your enemy, or when the scripture tells you to forgive those who wound you, or the Bible tells us that we should go to those that we have a broken relationship with, all of these instructions are for our good. So every one of God's boundaries that he places in the Bible are for our benefit and our blessing. So when I read this book of instruction, I don't have to walk away and think, oh, should I pray about doing the thing that God has asked me to do? I can immediately do the thing that he's inviting me into. And what I've discovered in my relationship with God, the longer, listen, the longer the gap between hearing and doing, the less likely I am to do the thing that God has asked me to do. So if I open the Bible, or I sit in a church service and I think, you know, I should join a small group. And then I walk out and the next week I think, you know, I should join a small group. And then I come back the next week and I think, you know, I should join a small group. And the longer I think about the thing that I'm prompted to do, the more the obstacle increases in its size. So I wanna encourage you in your thinking to obsess not over the obstacle, but to obsess over the opportunity. So obsessing over obstacles will make us, it will make you, it will make me miss some of life's greatest opportunities. And I think back over my journey, how many moments like this, how many times if I had just given my attention to all the reasons why I shouldn't do the thing that God was asking me to do. I remember when we started our church in the Bay Area, and you know, I, I love our history here at Saddleback, we love other churches. And what we wanna do as a church, and what I wanna do as a pastor, and I know Pastor Rick Warren did this for 42 years, is to bless and encourage other pastors. But sometimes pastors can get negative, and they can get some wounds and scars, and they have a lot of reasons why things don't work, and it's not just pastors, it's people. Like sometimes you talk to somebody about marriage, and they're like, well, let me tell you about marriage, you know? It's like, Say goodbye to your freedom. And I'm telling you, 19 years later, I'm more free than I've ever been. So, you, you know, it's, it's how you look at it. But sometimes that, that negativity makes the boundary grow. So when we started the church in the Bay Area called Echo, uh, there were a lot of conversations that we had with pastors, and they were like, well, it's, it, it's just too ethnically diverse here. It's just too expensive here. That's what they sounded like, exactly like this. People are just too resistant to the message of Jesus here. You know, and every, you have these conversations, and you're tempted in the moment to, to believe the obstacle. And the more you think about that obstacle, the, the, the bigger the obstacle becomes. So what I have to do, what you have to do, what we have to do is obsess over the thing that God has told us to do. And there were so many moments I, I went back to God and, and God was like, no, I called you to start a church. I told you. So there's no obstacle that you will ever face that's bigger than me, that's bigger than my power. So your obsession should be on the obedience to do the very thing that I've asked you to do. 
And any time God gives you an invitation, it's always for your good. It's always for your benefit and your blessing. So I can know with confidence the why behind obedience is to step into the fullness of the life that God has created me to live. And for many of us in our journey, we can kind of be like I am sometimes in marriage. So for example, I have a bad habit. Husbands, I don't know if I'm the only one. But sometimes I'll be in a conversation with my wife. This is not a marriage seminar, by the way, just so you know. Um, this is a moment of confession. So sometimes I'll be in a conversation and I'm there. I'm there physically, but I'm not there mentally. And so Stacy will say something and she can, you know, she'll look in my eyes and she'll say, I can kind of tell you're not with me. What did I just say? And, you know, the good thing is, my memory is at least as good as a goldfish. It's seven seconds. So I can remember the last seven seconds. But the problem is once I repeat it, I can't remember it. So I'll say it and then it's gone. And it becomes very clear that I have heard but not listened when I get to the grocery store and I have to call her 16 times for the thing that she told me to do. There is a hearing and a listening. And sometimes my kids will say to me, I didn't hear you. Give an instruction. I didn't hear you. And I'll say, no, it's not that you didn't hear me. It's that you didn't listen. And sometimes what happens to us in our journey spiritually is that we're hearing, but we're not listening. So you hear, and then you receive. You listen at a heart level to instructions from God. God will speak to you through his Holy Spirit and give you instruction. So the question I want to encourage you to wrestle through this week is, what instruction from God am I ignoring? What is the thing that God has already told you to do that you haven't done yet? And for some people, it, it, it might be to repair a relationship. Sometimes I, I find this in my journey with generosity that God will tell me to give something away and the longer I think about the thing that God's told me to do, the harder it is to do it. So I want to close the gap between the instruction and the implementation. The longer we follow Jesus, that gap should decrease. And I can tell how I'm doing spiritually based upon the size of that gap. So I want to close the gap between instruction and implementation. So Joshua, I want to encourage you, take the Israelites, but as soon as you see the ark, move out. Now, this passage is so beautiful the way that it continues because there's more. And he says to him in, in the morning, or the, 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 Joshua says to the priests in the morning, he says to them, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. And then the Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. And they will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Now give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Take a few steps and stop. Now think about this just for a moment. Two million people, Joshua is leading them towards the Jordan River. And I wonder if Joshua ever thought about this miracle from the angle of him versus Moses. Like, why did Moses get to hold his arms up and it crossed? The Red Sea split when Moses' arms went up. But Joshua, on the other hand, He's got to lead the people into the water without knowing how fast the water is going to split. And he has two million people moving towards a massive river. 
Imagine the courage that Joshua needed in this moment. But there was a specific instance where God said, rally the people, get them to step up, and get them moving in the direction of the Jordan River. So get them to take one step in the direction, and then another step in the direction. And when they get to the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river. Now this is the principle. It's to focus on direction over perfection. So what can happen is that I can get to this place where I'm thinking so much about taking the perfect step that I don't take any step. For example, with family. It's like I wanna have a family night. And I don't know what your family nights go like, but sometimes our family nights are less than desirable. And in my mind, I have this image of like perfect family night, everybody huh, laughing around the table at my jokes. And you know, it just doesn't go that way. But if I focus on direction over perfection, I'm way more likely to take that step. And sometimes perfection prevents you from stepping into the fullness of what God has for you. God's not waiting on you to take the perfect step. God is waiting on you to take the first step. God is waiting on you to move towards the thing that he's already asked you to do. And it helps when I can begin to frame it through not so much the size of the step, but the direction. So this is another principle. It's not the size of the step that matters. It's the direction of the step. So come back over here to your morning on Monday when you wake up or the next day after you listen to this message. If you start every day down on your knees and you just say to God, today before I step, today before I move, today before I get up, I just want to ask you, point my feet in the direction that you want me to go, and today I'll step towards the life that you've created me to live. I'll step towards the marriage that you want me to have. I'll step towards the kind of dad that you want me to be. I'll step towards the kind of person you want me to be at my place of work. And if I will start taking steps every single day towards the destination that God has for me, eventually I'll get there. Now, sometimes there's an area of our life where it's, it feels like one step forward, two steps back. You ever had that where you, you're like, I try to change, but then I go backwards. And there's another principle at play because God would take the Israelites from one place, a pattern of disbelief into a promised land that he has for them. And the process was a series of steps to get there. So in order to change a pattern, I have to embrace a process. So a process is one step after the other. It's it's not just I make a decision to get into a small group, but I show up to a small group, and then I share my struggle with others, and I pray for another person, and they pray for me, and it's one step after the next that leads me to the destination that God wants me to go to. This is why what we do with Celebrate Recovery is so important in our church, because sometimes in your life, there's a habit, there's a hurt, there's a hang-up that you just can't get past, and you need a series of steps a process that gets you to where God wants you to go. This is why small groups are so important. Because when you get in a small group, you get around other people that are moving in the same direction. And there's, there's nothing like being around people that want to help you go to the same place that, that, that they're going to. And so it leads me to the question, what direction, when I look at my feet, which direction are my feet pointed? Which direction am I heading? Today, this week, this month. And you could wrestle through this question with your marriage. You could wrestle through this question with your purity. 
You could wrestle through this question with your finances. To stay, if, say, if I stay on the same path that I'm on, three years from now, five years from now, what is the destination that I'm going to end up at? And what God can do right now is God can help you get those feet pointed in the right direction. It starts with obedience, then it moves to steps. But sometimes, part of the reason why we stay stuck to not take the first step is because we have a misplaced expectation of God. And I wanna explain that by reading these next few verses because they'd start taking steps. God gives Joshua the commission, get them to the, the, the river and I'll get you across. But watch what he says next. It says, so the people left the camp to cross the Jordan and the priest who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing at its banks. Now, some of us, if we're honest, if we were Israel or we were Joshua, what we might have said back to God was, God, when you split the sea, when you cross or when you part the Jordan River, as soon as you do that, I'll start moving. I need a miracle. I need you to move. You ever felt like that in your life? Like, I just, I need a miraculous intervention in my life. I need God to change me immediately. I need God to take the, away this thought so I never have it. I need this emotion to be gone from my life for, for all eternity. And we will sit and wait for a miracle from God instead of moving towards the miracle. So God says to the Israelites, you move. You get to the Jordan River. Now, if you get to the Jordan River, when you get there, you're going to have to put your feet into the river. And as soon as you put your feet into the river, there's going to be a moment where your feet get wet, and you're sitting there wondering, how in the world is all this gonna work out? And maybe even you're stepping, and it's ankles, and it's knees, and now your waist is wet, and maybe even you're a leader, and you're thinking, I've led all these people into this, they're all gonna drown now. And here they are, where's the miracle? Where's the miracle? And the miracle is coming. It says, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water, at the river's edge. The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. That's probably a bad day for the town called Adam. It's like, you got your miracle, but our town got flooded. And that could be another sermon for another day. But they get there, and the water, think about this for just a moment, the water begins to shift. Something's different. I mean, it's, not the, it's not the same as it was, but there's still water there. But God has told me to keep stepping. And as they keep stepping, as they keep moving forward, as they keep obeying the voice of God, the miracle continues to unfold before their eyes. And the scripture says that after the water piles up, the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. And then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. And meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, and Stacy's going to speak next week and talk more about this, those who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. And what I just imagine is every person that walks by the Ark of the Covenant is just reminded it's God who did this. It's his power. It's his goodness. One family, the next family, a whole generation passing into the promise. He's been good, he's been faithful, 
and the promise is coming true. We have crossed the Jordan River. We are stepping into the fullness of what God has for us. And the whole nation of Israel passed across on dry ground. And I want to say to you today, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the God who is able. He's the God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what we could think, ask, or imagine. But the reason some of you are not experiencing the miraculous power of God is because there's an area of your life where God has already told you to move and you're waiting for a miracle. And the shift is to focus on movement over miracles, to focus on what it is that God is asking you to do. So God is saying, if you'll get to the Jordan, I'll split it. But I'm not going to split the Jordan while you are sleeping in your tent in the camp. You have to wake up and start moving towards what I am inviting you into. I should not expect God to perform a miracle. I should not expect a miracle from God when God is expecting movement from me. When God is saying, step into what I've created you to experience Step into the marriage. Step into the situation in your heart. Step into freedom. But you have to take that step. Show up for Celebrate Recovery. Show up for your small group. Show up for church physically. Take the step. And if you do the step, if you do the movement, when you get to the place where you need me to intervene, I will do what only I can do. I will do the miraculous if you step forward. So here's the question. Where do you need to get moving? Where do you need to take a step? Some of you, it's to confess a sin that you've been holding on to for years. Some of you, it's to say to God, I need your help to begin a relationship with you. Others of you, you you've thought for five years about getting baptized. And you, you've been thinking and thinking and thinking how to do it without getting wet. And God is saying, just get in the water and go public with your faith in me. Where do you need to move? And I wanna remind you, all it takes, all it takes is 20 seconds of courage. That's all it takes. And I just imagine in Joshua 3.15 as they're standing there, but as soon, but as soon, look at this, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark hit the water, I just imagine that moment where one priest is like, Bob, should we go? And the other priest is like, Larry, you should go. You should do it. And there's a 20-second moment where one step would benefit an entire generation of people. Kids, grandkids, future grand, great-grandkids, all in the trail of obedience from a small group of people that would inherit the promise that would become the people of God that would bless so that we could know salvation, so that we could be free. In fact, that lineage, carried in that lineage, is mother, the, the mother of Jesus, Mary, and in that lineage is what Jesus would come out of, the one that God would use to transform the human heart. And he invites us into 20 seconds of insane amounts of courage but so often, the barrier is not a river. In fact, the greatest barrier that stood between us and God was not something physical, it was something spiritual. 
And when God looked at the condition of humanity and he saw us, he said, I want to do life with my people. I'm, I'm not this far off, distant, impersonal God. He is a personal God that knows you and loves you and made you for relationship with himself. And he cared so much about that relationship being restored, about the gap between you and him being gone, that he would step from heaven to earth. He would take that step to come and live among us, a perfect sinless life. And at the end of that perfect sinless life, Jesus, the Son of God, would be nailed to a cross for our sins, for our brokenness, and his courage, his decision would make a way, a miracle would be performed. His death, burial, and resurrection, proving the fact that he is God. And now there's another miracle that God wants to do in us. It's the miracle of salvation. There's no greater miracle than when a soul is transformed by the grace of God. It's when you were going one direction and God takes your entire life and switches you. And he says, move now in this direction. This is the direction of joy. This is the direction of peace. This is the direction of purpose. But it starts right here in this moment when I realize my need for God, that I cannot do life without him. And I recognize he died on a cross for my sins and he conquered the grave, and I step towards him. One step is all it takes. So what's your 20 seconds of courage, friend? What's the thing? Some of you today, it's the day of salvation. It's the day you turn it all over to him. And I wanna invite you from the bottom of my heart to say to you there is no decision. There is no decision that you will ever make that is more significant, that will bless and benefit your life more than you turning your life over to Jesus. So I wanna invite you just to put your notes down for a moment and I'm gonna lead us in a time of response and reflection and today if you're here and you're listening to my voice and you've never taken that step, you've never moved towards God, today is your day to move. Today is your day to step towards God. And if that's you, if you recognize today, I need a savior, I need you. Just wanna invite you with your eyes closed and your head bowed just to say to him right now, God, I need you. Perhaps there aren't any more powerful words than God, I need you. And I believe, I confess with my lips and I believe in my heart that you've made a way. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Just tell him I thank you for dying on a cross for my sins and paying the price. And I believe that you've conquered the grave. And now here's the point that is the most important point. It's when you say to him, I confess you as Lord. So I take in my mind right now in my heart and I put my whole life into your hands. There's so many of you today that you're taking your whole life and you're yielding it to the God that deeply loves you and has made a way so that you can live an abundant life filled with joy and peace. And right now in this moment, I wanna encourage you as you make that decision to let us know. In fact, I'm gonna lead you and the rest of us in a prayer in just a moment. Your campus pastor is gonna come forward and help you take that step to let us know that you made that decision. Father, we thank you today that you are the God who makes a way. Thank you that you are the wonder-working, miraculous, 
working God. And there's nothing impossible for you. There's nothing too hard for you. And at the same time, we recognize that we have a responsibility to respond to the grace, to respond to your movement. And I pray for our church, some people today stepping into serving again for the very first time. I pray, God, that there would be, there would literally be thousands of people that would step forward to say, I'm gonna start serving and using my gifts again. That God, you would help us. Others stepping forward and getting into Celebrate Recovery. God, we yield our hearts to you and we wanna move with you. So we ask for your wisdom, your discernment, and your help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.